Hello and welcome back to the Now Age podcast with me, Ruby Warrington. And I'm joined today by a woman named Samantha Moyo, who is a friend from London. We haven't actually spent that much time together in person, Sam, have we? But our paths have definitely been running concurrently, I feel like, ever since we were introduced by mutual friends a few years ago. Um, Sam, welcome. I'm really happy to be having this conversation with you today. Oh, thank you so much, Ruby. Yeah, I do feel like we've been holding hands from across the seas for many years. Um, <laughs> and I'm excited for us to have a chat again today. Yeah, yeah. I've been wanting to have this conversation with you for a, a while, actually. Um, speaking about the area of sort of mental health, emotional, mental well-being, when it applies to entrepreneurship, social change, and even more so kind of activism. This is something that's not widely discussed. If anything, I feel like um, this idea of kind of like living your passion, following your purpose, finding meaning in your work is held up as such an ideal for us now. And yet it comes with its very distinct sort of load of um, emotional, mental challenges that are not really often discussed. So that's kind of what we're going to be diving into. Sam, um, Samantha is a social entrepreneur. um, And I first met you when you were primarily working on Morning Gloryville, which was the first, I think, kind of morning sober dance party and very much precursor of something we're seeing now where we're really seeing the movement for kind of um, sober curiosity, as I well know, take off and, and really come much more into the mainstream. And it's interesting, you know, I said, I feel like our careers have been running concurrently. I feel like I've always been one of those people who's been sort of at, at the edge. A lot of my work has been at the very edge of kind of like the next the next change, the next evolution that we're sort of going through. And in, in my magazine life, that translated to me writing a lot of features about social trends. And when I started The Numinous, I started channeling all of that kind of, um, that sort of fortune, fortune telling sort of creative thing that I've got into my work with The Numinous. But I feel like you have always been someone who's actually even been slightly ahead of me <laughs> and somebody whose kind of career and work and and sort of um, drive, I suppose, has really been at the edge and really been guiding the conversation. Um, And so I've looked to you and your work over the years, I guess, um, as a way of sort of, okay, where are we going with this? Where are we going next with this? Is that something you feel like you've been, that's been part of you and your your work and, but even like before you you kind of like went into this career? First of all, thank you so much for saying that. Um, It's really rare to hear that said to me. Um, So, yeah, thank you. It does a lot to my heart. Um, I think from a really young age, I was always, um, uh, you know, an activist, a change maker, um, a bit of an oddball. I grew up in Zimbabwe. I was born and raised there and I remember at the age of seven deciding that I wanted to be a boy. So I was a tranny for a few years living in Zimbabwe as a kid. And um, my parents and my family just let me walk around with short hair and socks in my pants, wearing a bow tie, insisting I was a boy. And um, I guess I'm sharing this because I think it just comes quite natural to me to always be asking the question, 
what's next for me and my thinking, what's mm. next for us as a community, whatever community I'm in. And I'm always, um, I, I think without realizing it, I've always been trying to decolonize and to shift my perspective and to um, not be the status quo. So, um, yeah, I guess that then translates into pioneering. Um, mm, mm. You are born a born disruptor. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <In a> <laughs> I, yes, I think so. I like to. I, I find myself sometimes, you know, uh, now that I'm in Extinction Rebellion as well. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm not a rebel. I find myself being like, oh, I, you know, I don't think I'm a rebel. But then everyone's like, <laughs> Sam, you're such a rebel. Like, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I have moments. Well, I think they, you know, there's thinking, isn't there, that when we're really truly operating in our zone of genius, we can't even see it because it's something that comes so naturally to us and it's something that's so innate within us that we don't, it feels effortless. Effortless is not maybe the, the, <laughs> the best word, you know, just not that it doesn't involve work, but it feels so natural that we don't necessarily relate to it as part of us because we, we're, we're completely, um, you know, we can't have any objectivity about it. Yeah, that's so interesting, actually, because I have found myself in innovation labs or, you know, advertising agencies where I feel like I'm being defined um, in loads of ways. And I'm just like, oh, I just thought this was how we do things, you know, suddenly... Oh, right. You know, suddenly community building is like a science now and, you know, um, mm. yeah, it's, yeah, it's fascinating. Um, mm. so I hope, sure. yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, can you share a little bit more about the sorts of things you're working on now and where you're, you're channeling your zone of genius, your genius for disrupting, like you say, for, for decolonizing thinking, which is essentially what this, what this path is oftentimes. It's about an unbrainwashing you know, and a stepping outside of whatever constructs we're living in, in order to reimagine a different, a new way. Yeah. Um, so I'd start from where I've come from. So I was running Morning Gloryville for five years, which was this um, sober dance party slash movement that grew um, to 23 cities around the world. Um, and I let that go in 2017 and entered a massive mental breakdown, which I'm, I, yeah, I love talking about just because I notice not many entrepreneurs share their, you know, their down moments. Um, but I really learned so much from that period, um, which we can go into. Um, but one of the things that happened after I, you know, I stopped working on this project that I was so passionate about for all those years was I entered what was called, what is called the fertile void. And I'd never heard this phrase fertile void before, where you think nothing's going on, you have no sense of purpose, you feel like you're a blob of nothingness on this planet, and you're existing in in darkness um and really it was in this fertile void that things that i hadn't even thought i was going to be doing with my life and career started coming literally at me um so 
whilst I was in Bali last year, I had um, some entrepreneurs, founders come to me and ask me to, to be their silent right-hand woman. So offering them strategic support, um, you know, helping them day to day, um, but behind the, you know, um, behind the doors so that they feel like they have a doula by their side. So that's one thing I do, strategic support for founders. And I really love that because it's a mix of, you know, coaching, but thinking, and I love the thinking aspect. Um, and then this year, something incredible, well, last year and this year, something incredible started happening. People started asking me to marry them. So I'm now a minister. Um, I've, I had a wedding last year. I have two weddings this year, which I'm really excited about. Um, and people also started asking me to be there for their baby's birthing. So I'm now, um, I call myself a cosmic doula. Um, <laughs> which is really exciting. Um, but then the most recent thing that's been like blowing my mind is that I came back from holiday into Extinction Rebellion's uh, week of rebellions in April and ended up being part of their team. And then now I'm leading a trainings, like an, a training for their whole team called XR Together around decolonization, anti-racism and anti-oppression, which are such big themes for the world at the moment, but massive, massive for me. Um, so yeah, so I'm currently curating a program for internal XR teams around these topics. And yeah, my heart's just opening so much because I didn't even realize I had so much to heal around all these topics as well. So, mm. um, and obviously doing this work means that I need to keep myself well and mm. grounded mm. and it's not easy. Um, and yeah, I'm looking forward to sharing some of those tools with you guys today. Amazing. Thank you so much for um, that beautifully succinct kind of progression of from where you were and where we introduced you and where we met to where you've got now. And I love, I love this idea of the fertile void. I've never heard that before. And I think one of the reasons I said I was, you know, I, I started off by saying this conversation was very timely and I'm really happy we're having this conversation now is that I feel myself, I'm heading towards a fertile void. <laughs> At least I hope I, I might be. My Everything about my body, my psyche, my emotional body is telling me, stop, stop, stop. I'm really hitting up against many of my own kind of edges. And I feel like it's interesting. We're coming into a new Uranus cycle and Uranus is the planet of innovation and change. And it just moved from Aries into the sign of Taurus the whole of the Aries Uranus, I mean, the Numinous launched coinciding with the beginning of Uranus moving into Aries. And I sort of feel this seven year cycle. I'm feeling very much like it's coming to an end and there's a, there's a next step that's sort of waiting for me. And I know I just instinctually that in order to find that next step, I almost need to create a void space, but there's so much fear around that and so much trepidation around walking away from things that I've created and anyone listening, by the way, this doesn't mean I'm necessarily going to like just quit the numinous and it's all going to end tomorrow, but I'm definitely, and I, I know that fellow 
entrepreneurs, particularly social entrepreneurs, are going to be out there resonating with this. There comes a point when you can sort of run on enthusiasm and passion alone to a point, and then it's sort of there has to be an, an evolution that comes after that. So just there's loads that I want to dive into with you, but could you, you said that, you know, you're, you're happy to talk about the breakdown you experienced when you left Morning Glory Bill. And I think this, like you rightly said, this is something that is very rarely spoken about. We don't, we, we have this kind of, this idealized idea about what it means to be an entrepreneur, about what it means to create a business or a movement even that's born of your own passion, that feels like it's your life purpose, that feels like it's what you're here to give. I'm experiencing this myself with Sober Curious, you know, in a way carrying on the baton from what, what you started in a way with Morning Glory, Bill. Um, and it, it, there's so much of uh, myself or ourselves that are invested in these projects, these movements, that moving, stepping away from it or moving on for it can, I think, take on such additional sort of emotional um, charge. So I'd love if you could just speak a little bit about what that experience was like. Anything you sort of wish you had known beforehand? I mean, I guess we can only really, you know, learn from experience a lot of the times, right? So if you could just tell us a little bit about that experience and how and what you experienced, what happened for you and how you were able to caretake yourself ultimately. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing. And as you were saying um, what's going on for you I feel so much excitement uh, (laughs) for what lies ahead and I just want you to know that you are so loved and supported um, throughout whatever's in front of you but um, I really I spent about a year planning for my exit and even with all the planning I did (laughs) (laughs) Um, even with all the planning I did I still wasn't prepared and what I realized and I spoke to a few people who really inspired me on this journey um, I don't know if you know Camilla who started Kids Company oh I've heard Um, about yeah I know of her but I haven't met her yeah um, I I won't say who else I spoke to, actually. I was going to say their <laughs> name, and actually it's quite controversial. Um, I spoke Ooh, to- tell yeah, me afterwards. Yeah. Tell me after we finish recording. <laughs> I'll tell you uh, afterwards, but it's a huge hip-hop mogul, basically. Um, nice. Yeah. Clue. Thanks. <laughs> who went, yeah, Clue, who went through a, a transition, and other founders. And what happened for me is that I was so with the DNA of what I'd created because what we create is like our child in this modern day. Mm-hmm. And so by letting go of that organism, I was letting go of a part of me and it did feel as grave as when you lose a family member. Mm-hmm. And because of how sensitive we are becoming and I had become through all this inner work and opening, I was going to, no matter how much planning I did, I was going to have that breakdown Mm -hmm. because I was losing a part of myself. Um, I wish I'd known, I wish I'd known the extent to which not working on something I was working on daily 
was going to impact me mentally. Um, I just, nothing could replace it. Um, mm. And I wish I had more money in the bank, actually. Um, so, yeah, so in terms of a tool, make sure you've got loads of money in the bank. It's <laughs> um, <laughs> a kind of a, um, like a, a cushion to sort of see, so you don't immediately have to jump into doing something else when you're yeah. emotionally and mentally needing to have a grieving period is what you're describing. Yeah. Basically, yeah, I didn't realize I was going to go into such grief Mm. Um, and so being in grief whilst waiting for cash, not a good thing. Self-worth um, bottoming out, I can imagine right there. Yeah. 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 So that was one thing. And also just not preparing a holiday and mm. um, not having somewhere beautiful to go. Um, I don't want to sound like a privileged person because I'm not, <laughs> but I, I wish I'd I wish I'd planned a holiday for myself because mm. that's really all you can do in that space. Mm. Um, just somewhere yeah. you feel it doesn't have to necessarily be an exotic, expensive location, but it just, you mean creating a timeout, a specific container where you can be somewhere and just feel held and not feel like you have to be proving anything or you have to be externally kind of like doing anything in the world. Yes, exactly. And that's why actually my therapy, my therapist and some elders in my family suggested to go to Bali. Mm. So I went there and it was just like, no one knew me. So that was already one massive relief. Mm. Um, I went off social media. So no social media is so important. Um, like minimal texting and phoning and giving myself time. So no deadline on the, on the holiday as well. Mm. So. Mm. Um, I booked a flight, a return for two weeks after, and I stayed there for four months. And wow. actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, because that's what my body needed, you know. Um, and it really was and it still is about allowing my body to direct me these days. Mm. Mm. Um, Which but I what think was in a way, just to kind of interject, it's part of that very... It, you described already how when we start to do inner work, when we remove a substance like alcohol, for example, when we start to get really aligned with who we are and what we're here to contribute, we are very sensitized. And so with that comes very much heightened emotions, very much heightened awareness of our mental processes. So when our mental processes are kind of all over the place, it can be extremely destabilizing. Yes, exactly. And so the, the things that will save us are all these tools yoga mm. meditation prayer mm. writing mm. and asking ourselves those questions we asked when we first begun our last project and i always bring myself to that like these days it's like what was i doing before morning gloryville mm. oh of course yeah i was like really getting into meditation and nature and writing and asking myself questions i've already been in this void before mm. like remembering that you've been in this void before mm. uh, really really mm. helped um well, what was the question again um, well, I think I'd love if you could speak a bit more about your experience in Bali, because from previous conversations we had, we've had about this, I know that you experienced kind of a, a rock bottom moment there, right? 
um, if you could tell us a little bit about that. And I think maybe, I think what I like, and the reason I'd like you to share that story now is that you, it proves we can go to what seems like a very low place. And ultimately that's going to be the beginning of our rebirth, if that makes sense. <laughs> yes, totally. Um, Wow. Okay. So first of all, not everyone goes to this low place that yes. I went to. Um, and a lot of it has to do with the, the work I was already doing, um, to, yeah, the work I was already doing, but, um, yeah. So for anyone listening, I went to Bali to recover and rediscover myself. And whilst I was there doing all this inner work, um, I tapped into grief and pain that was so unbearable, that was so unbearable, I dissociated from my body and started experiencing life in multiple realities. Um, so that means I was seeing what was going on in real life now, but also experiencing past trauma at the same time. Um, and it was really scary for this to come up in Indonesia, away mm. from home. Mm. Um, I called some friends and they came over and... Um, yeah, we decided that the best thing was for me to go to a mental hospital um, because I'd never experienced anything like it. I, you know, I was really confused as well. Um, and we went to this mental hospital where I got checked into. Um, and yeah, I woke up there in a, in a cell, basically, um, with like, bars <laughs> and a dirty toilet kind of scenario and in that moment realized I'd put myself in prison and there wasn't a way out because you can't just check yourself in and out of mental hospitals um yeah so being there was such a reality check and also really scary um mm. And I, after speaking to doctors and, you know, my friends on the phone, I, everyone said I had to prove my sanity in order to come back out. Um, and actually, that was the best, best thing that ever happened to me now when I think about it, because I now actually know the strength in all these wellness practices that we preach mm. <laughs> because that's really all I had. Mm. Um, I was being medicated on a concoction of drugs that I didn't want to be on um, that were making me like even more droopy and, mm. uh, um, and I knew that I had to override them every day with my practices in order to prove myself sane in order to get out um wow. yeah so i had a notebook luckily so i put together a, um, a wellness plan and it basically i woke up at 5 a.m every day did my you know berg's meditation routine 
um, which I learned in Vipassana. Then I'd go into singing or chanting. Hello? Hi. Can you still hear me okay? Yes, I can still hear you. Okay, great. Uh, Should I start again? Um, Did something not... um, Yeah, if you could go to... start, Maybe start again at, you know, I just... What, talking about what your wellness regime was. A, an, an alert basically popped up on my screen, so I had to close it down, and I think maybe that just created a little blip. Oh, okay. I had the same. Okay. Um, yeah, so I created a wellness routine for myself, um, which involved waking up at 5 a.m., doing my Vipassana meditation I'd learned from Berg's, um, and then after that, doing some singing and chanting um, and then writing, asking myself, you know, why am I here? What am I missing? What is this lesson here to show me? Um, or, you know, who, who am I basically was the mm. thing. Um, and it was really through this questioning um, that I started finding answers of why my soul had led itself to that space. And I had led myself to that space in order to strip everything I thought I was to get back to zero so that I could rebuild. Um, and what was really interesting is over the, as the days went on in this cell, I started feeling like myself in a way I'd never felt. It was it was a pure energy in my heart, and my create. It was like my creative energy. My it was my creative body at a blank slate. And from there, I was able to write poetry, write music. I started feeling playful explorative and I grew this confidence that wasn't Samantha Moyo Morning Gloryville it was just Sam again Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah by the end of the week I felt really strong and I went to speak to the doctors and they let me get out wow yeah (laughs) 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 because um yeah and they let me get out um And then that was the beginning of me reintegrating into the world as Sam, not Morning Gloryville, not Sam who you've known of the past and allowing these new qualities that I'd been pressing down to Mm. express. Um, Mm. And so in a really roundabout way, I discovered that my soul took itself to this really dark edge so that I could find my purity again. Because even though what I was doing was so beautiful and helping thousands of people, millions of people, whatever, it still got to a place where it became toxic for me and actually um, no longer my calling and I was only holding on to it because of what I thought it meant for who I was you know Mm -hmm. Um, and this what happened with the hospital really just gave me this sense of like freedom of like um, a rebirth and not caring 
what was ahead of me anymore because actually I just wanted to live mm. and not be behind bars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, to be free to create and to be yourself and to express yourself. And I mean, what you're describing is a kind of, it's almost like what I, I haven't done a plant medicine ceremony, but it's that, that kind of ego death that people report experiencing in those deep kind of shamanic ceremonies where you're literally taken to a point where you you no longer exist because whatever exists is in some way yeah has has is has become toxic and there's there are there are toxic beliefs there are toxic situations that need to kind of like be weeded out and you to create this clean slate in order for you to be able to be reborn so Thank you so much for sharing that experience. And yeah, to anybody listening, this isn't going to, ha- this is not every, maybe everybody's experience. And you, you know, it was extreme. What you've described as extreme, particularly considering the stigma that we have around the idea of mental health, right? The, even the term mental hospital, like it brings up so much fear, but actually what's happening a lot of the time is, well, people who need caretaking, people who are going through really extreme transitions, um, and who are often sidelined, you know, because we don't know how to handle those situations, which can be so, yeah, we just don't, they're, they're the unknown ultimately, right? So I think what you've, you've shared and the, your willingness to talk openly about it is really an important part of decolonizing our thinking around that sort of an experience, you know? Yeah, totally. And actually, what was interesting is when I came back and told the women in my women's circle, they were like, why on earth would you take yourself to a mental hospital? Like, we could have been so there for you. And um, yeah, and it was just really interesting that even I going through that process thought I needed to be, yeah, put away kind of. Yeah, you needed to be institutionalized, literally like, I need somebody more, quote unquote, more powerful or knowledgeable than me to caretake me in this situation, rather than looking to my own support circle of peers, right? It's the patriarchal thinking that other people above us know better, have the answers, will do the caretaking. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, so now it's a bit of a running joke in my friendship circle. (laughs) (laughs) But I am, I mean, I am curious, I suppose, at what point does a person make that decision? Like you said it was a kind of a group decision or it was a decision you made with friends. Was there a particularly scary incident or something that, that sparked it? Um, yeah, it was scary for all of us because I was, I was experiencing like tr- my trauma of like being beaten and raped at the mm. same time as nothing happening. Mm. Um, and so I'd have moments of being like, get away, get away. Mm. And so, and, and I was quite conscious in the sense that I remember all of this and I was observing it. It was just, like, what do you do if you've never experienced yourself literally having multiple, yeah. you know, having these multiple realities and, and what's the process to stop it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, you know, um, mm-hmm. I've had stuff happen in the past when I've been partying for many days, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> which is slightly <laughs> different. <laughs> um, and 
what's happened then is like my closest friends have held me um until you know or yeah have held held me until i felt safe and calm again mm. i think perhaps i could have done that in the, during that mm. incident mm. but it, honestly because it was so alien the behavior mm. was so alien to in me. a very alien environment as well you already yeah. were like, describing how i was i was no one here like there was an, an ego death of death had already happened by just put going to bali on your own exactly yeah. exactly so yeah um but i learned a lot from being in there from a mm. wellness perspective mm. um the food wasn't great like that was really scary food not good in the mm -hmm. mental hospital mm -hmm. also the activities in there like there's nothing like sound healing or eft tapping or reiki or anything that actually starts to empower these people um it was all very clinical and medical Mm. Um, and I was lucky that I knew about other tools. Mm. Otherwise, I could have become lobotomized as well. Who knows? Mm. 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 Well, yeah, there is this heavy reliance on suppressive therapies, like at the slightest scent of anything maybe being wrong or a little out of control. It's like, let's get a lid on that and suppress, 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 rather than often the more evocative therapies like talk therapy, like Reiki, etc., that actually bring the emotions to the surface so there can be a catharsis and more useful and helpful in those situations. There's so much re-education that needs to happen around how we caretake ourselves and each other in terms of our mental health. And that's why I'm so happy that we're able to have these conversations openly, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so then I want to talk a little bit about this, this, Again, this idea of, you know, I think it was actually last week for anyone who's listening um, to the podcast as it's new. Um, it was end of May 2019. Um, a report came out. I think the World Health Organization has now officially labeled burnout a syndrome. <laughs> and so burnout now exists and we experience burnout. And it's kind of it was actually quite shocking to me that this has only happened now. <laughs> um, but I think often we think about burnout, you know, in terms of people who are working for other, like working for corporations where there's very little consideration about our kind of um, emotional needs beyond, you know, we're expected to leave ourselves behind when we show up at the office and be quite robotic in the way that we work. But actually, I think burnout can be equally, if not more prevalent with entrepreneurs, particularly, again, with entrepreneurs who have who are working on something that comes with that added layer of responsibility to a, well, this is me and my purpose and my self-expression and B, this is helping lots of other people. You mentioned that with Morning Gloryville, you were very aware that what you created was helping millions of people around the world to question their relationship to substances and find other ways to be social without, without drinking, which is a huge thing. And I've, Similarly, felt with the numinous, you know, I get messages all the time. Thank you so much for what you're doing. It's helping me so much. And so there's this layer, this added layer of responsibility, which um, can increase feelings of guilt, I suppose, around taking any time out or stepping back from it or not necessarily being there for every DM in your Instagram inbox, you know? And so I think that all of those factors combined can mean that burnout is a huge problem for entrepreneurs and social entrepreneurs and activists also like add on the layer of like wow now I'm actually stepping up to take on some of the biggest challenges that we are facing as a society 
what are your thoughts around burnout? What do you, how do you help people, um, you know, in your role as a kind of, I love the way you described yourself as a sort of a, a, a doula to, to conscious entrepreneurs. How do you help people sort of deal with that, with that burnout, that feeling like it's my responsibility to be always on um, and to be, yeah, like a, like a parent, the parent of this entity that I have created in the world, you know? Yeah. So one of the first things I actually do when I'm doing my founder support work is I insist that as part of the process, they take time out Mm. to unmind and unwind themselves from the way they've been doing things. Otherwise we can't start working together. Um, And I ask them what their habits are when they are taking time out and ask them to change those habits um, so that they come back open to a new self and open to a new way of relating to their work. Um, in terms of burnout, I love people who've been burnt out because, <laughs> <laughs> because there's, there's a knowing about, mm. um, there's a knowing around this nine to five work system that we've created globally that isn't actually healthy for anyone um and people who've been burnt out i i love meeting because everyone is asking this question of how do i live a more balanced life how can i be efficient you know get well paid whilst also working on my body and my mind and my soul and my creativity um and so whilst there may have been a stigma um, externally, for me, burnt out people have so many answers in terms of future living, future working. Um, And also um, people who are burnt out are creating the future of community because they want to work and they love to work and they recognize that. So we're not going to let go of these things we're passionate about. We just won't. But we're also not going to allow the urgency of things in work take us over again. And I know I meet other burnt out people and we just have this promise that I come first, Mm. you know, so... Mm days a week I can work or four days I stick to that I really stick to that and if I find myself starting to burn out or lose my mind a little bit I'm not afraid to cancel I'm not afraid to cancel meetings I'm not afraid to cancel meetings with investors I'm not afraid to go into nature and just step away Mm -hmm. um you know I'm part of Extinction Rebellion as I mentioned and when I first started, I was part of so many groups because I wanted to be kept up to date with absolutely everything. And then at one point, I just removed myself from literally everything. And I was just like, if anyone wants to get in touch with me, you can get in touch with me directly. And that was so good. And someone said to me, oh, it was really brave of you to do that. And I was like, yeah, I just realized I didn't have to be looped into everything. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, um, our news cycle and the way our news cycle exists now creates again this, it feeds on this idea that like, I must have all information at all times and I must like be ready to act now. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think when you run a company, it's also 
so hard to step away. But I, for me, I just realized that on the other side of not stepping away was like my soul dying, like my soul shrinking. And I just weighed up the two, like face, saving face for a short period of time or just letting go even if it's for a little while it doesn't have to be forever mm-hmm. um, like mystic mama did that you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. you know i was appalled when i got that message <laughs> of her deciding to stop after 10 years but actually you know she did it and somehow she's come back so mm. You know, you just needed to step away. Exactly. And I think there's so much, like I said, tied in with if you're providing any kind of a service to people, that responsibility of like, I must show up and I must be there for you. And it can take so much deconditioning and unbrainwashing around how unselfish that, how selfish that is, you know, to actually say, I need to, I need to, to fill my cup up before I can continue to give. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think what I realized is actually what I was afraid of losing was my sense of power Mm. and ego as well. That was actually the bigger thing because Morning Gloryville is still going. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just not running it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes that does like, oh God, you know, knock me a little bit. But ultimately, I am more free. I have more time for me and I'm moving into my next things, which feels really empowering. Um, And you birthed something incredible and you know, you'll always, that's, it's always going to be part of you and part of your resume or whatever, you know, but yeah, I feel you with that completely. Like the idea of potentially someone else having the numinous and me not being part of it. I mean, whoa, there's some serious stuff to process there. But I had this with um, Alexandra Roxo, who I co-founded Moon Club with. It got to a point where I was like, I can't show up for this in the way that I need to because I'm just spinning too many plates. And letting it go and stepping out of it was difficult. But we have um, such a great and great relationship and so much awareness around what we need that it was ultimately liberating for both of us and I don't feel attached to it still I'm like great moon club's doing its thing great (laughs) you know yeah (laughs) yeah it feels like I mean the numinous is is such a beautiful platform and it feels like you don't necessarily have to let it go but you could just take some time for you like um, or whatever you decided, I don't know. Um, mm. But it, you know, I think you're so loved, and wh- however, whatever time you need, don't be afraid to take it. Is all I can say. Like, there's a lot of fear about, and again, it's this kind of this fear that's bred into us, particularly as someone with a media background, I guess, of needing to be relevant. And fear of like becoming irrelevant and getting left behind and left out of the conversation. If you dare to step off that news cycle for, you know, for any extended period of time. So I'm, thank you, Sam, for reflecting that back. I am actually heads up everyone definitely planning a Mercury retrograde break on the podcast and it may even go on a little bit longer. 
who knows <laughs> yeah. but yeah I think let's say it let's say it's okay to take breaks we don't have to and I think you know I hosted a retreat recently called manifesting the matriarchy and part of it was about well how can we step outside this sort of always on ideal and go yeah or, or even this ideal about having a brand automatically um, relying on your own consistency and the idea of, you know, I remember saying to, to a, a fellow sort of journalist once, you know, how much of a problem I have being consistent because my moods are like, my cycles take me to the lowest lows and the highest highs and the more sensitized I am to my moods. Sometimes it's just impossible, like literally feels impossible to show up on Instagram. And yet what we've been taught is like, if you're not there every day, if you don't have consistency, people won't trust you. People will lose faith in your message. You need to keep showing up. And I'm really like, please, can we do everything in our power to <laughs> disrupt that thinking and allow for ebbs and flows and for us to kind of dip in and dip out with our contribution also? Yeah, totally. And I think with the social media thing, I mm. really caught on to this last year uh, when I took six months off and came back. And even now I've been on a break for a few months and I will come back over the next few weeks. Nothing happens. Nothing changes. Nothing happens. <laughs> your fans are still there. You still have your database. People still open because they want to know what you're up to. Yeah, right. Like, yes, other people get relevant, but you stay relevant to your community. Mm. You're ready. Um, and then... I there's something to do with brands and the way we've been doing branding mm. that's no longer relevant. And I mm. think it's this new phrase, long-termism or long-termism where if we are thinking long-term in terms of the planet and, um, you know, changing the world and us becoming more conscious we're going to need to go much slower because this fast paced way of doing things comes from the rise of capitalism. It comes from globalization. And now we're in a space where we're starting to think about decentralizing and also slowing things down. So everyone, it's up to everyone across industries to have the courage to take space, take time out. If you start slowing down and people notice the numinous slowing down, they will also slow down. Mm. I, I've noticed from me not being on social media much, my peers aren't on social media that much. Mm. I'm finding other ways to connect with my community. It doesn't have to be Instagram all the time, you know? Yeah. And, and also what we're doing is by maintaining this, we are give, like, giving this power to the platforms. And I, that's when I had a real moment where I was like, I feel like I'm working for Facebook. We are, ultimately. <laughs> I mean, there's, I read an article in the New York Times at the weekend and Instagram, they're going to stop showing like counts and they're going to make follower counts much less evident. And in, initially I was like, oh, that's great. They're concerned with, you know, this compare and despair, like the effect of that on our mental health. No, they're actually, the way I see it anyway, they would much prefer that advertisers are spending money with Instagram than they are with influencers. So this is kind of disempowering influencers who spent so much time and effort building a following, engaging communities so that they can actually capitalize on any advertising that's going to happen on their platform. It's just, it's but absolutely that we're working for them for free. 
<laughs> Thank you for putting that, making that succinct little light go on. Um, yeah, I'm, yeah, no, my creativity is not for, it's not, it's not for that. I, I want, I think, yeah, I think I'm getting closer into honing in on what's going on here. I'm wanting to reclaim my ownership and sovereignty of my own creativity, actually. Yeah. And within your creativity is your own time yeah. <laughs> yeah. and your life and yeah. how it's panned out. Because yeah. even though we've all gone to these freelance lives of creating, you know, new age businesses or, you know, ventures, we're still doing it to the beat of everyone yeah. else's drum. And we're still doing it to the capitalist model, ultimately, which exactly. is, yeah productivity yeah. equals profit. Yeah. 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 And that's a huge, I mean, it's, oof, thank you. I'm so happy that again, that we're having these conversations, like talking about decolonization, it's kind of like all roads sort of lead back there. And hopefully like many of my conversations on this podcast and on the Sober Curious podcast lead back there. Um, but when we're thinking about this idea of being the change, which is ultimately what we're these generations in these kind of like, you know, emergent decades of the age of Aquarius, we're being asked to step into this idea of being the change. But that, I mean, that level of unbrainwashing, I think while it can be extremely liberating, it can be extremely destabilizing. And so what other sort of self-care tips have you got for people who are really kind of wanting to be the change, who are willing to look at our programming, the way that our thinking has been colonized by capitalism, by the patriarchy, by systemic racism, like all of these things is ultimately li so liberating and necessary and also very destabilizing. So what perhaps this can seek into us talking a bit more about the work you're doing with Extinction Rebellion also. Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've really been asking this question of how do we support ourselves through this work that we're mm. all doing and mm. um there isn't enough resource first of all um even if you're a completely loaded person um so one of the things i'm doing is i'm finding wellness practitioners who specialize in sound somatic areas um movement and um, therapy and, and a therapist and mm. I've decided that um, I need to have these things happening simultaneously weekly in order for me to stay sane whilst working in London mm -hmm. and to remain open-hearted so that I am being the change mm -hmm. being the change means telling myself the truth which means <laughs> um, asking myself you know, what do I need to change in my life? And this is a daily question. Um, mm. And the truth's not easy to hear. So, yeah. It takes so much courage. And, you know, when I think about the, anything to do with the heart, the heart in astrology is the sign that's ruled by Leo. And Leo has a kind of reputation for being quite sort of bombastic and show off in a way. But ultimately it's about our bravery. It's our, our courage to have the, yeah, the conviction to actually just be who we truly are, you know? And the reason it relates to the heart is because that's where we, where we can find that courage, isn't it? When, when, when it's open. Yeah. So 
um, yeah, finding the courage <laughs> is, <laughs> has to be the most challenging yeah. uh, thing. But once you have it, actually, the, this, the telling yourself the truth becomes easier and easier. Um, and that's why it's so important to have these facilitators, therapists by your side along the way. And the less you know about a, mo a certain modality, the more I encourage it because I actually find that um, I become more open when I try something new. Mm. So I was never a plant medicine person and I have done ayahuasca once now. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm really glad I did it. I'm not going to be an ayahuasca junkie. Um, <laughs> and I don't believe everyone has to do it but it did help me open up to new thinking. Mm. Um, and then, yeah. Yeah. In terms of tools, sorry, I'm just thinking in terms of tools, what else? Um, I mean, means, yeah. Well, I was going to say something that helps me is community. Like you already mentioned the support you get from your women's group. And I think finding a very, very consciously, um, enacting kind of like meetups and time to be vulnerable and to almost break down and to open your hearts in community with people who are very much aligned and who are very much on the same path, I think is a really vital piece, isn't it? That's so, so important. Um, I was actually trying to join a men's group mm. uh, to work on my divine masculine. I love it. <laughs> well lately um yeah definitely community and nature like going into nature really saves me mm. um creativity um writing poetry painting finding my playfulness mm. um so important and then pleasure is a really big one for me um getting more into tantra and um you know joining tantric communities and something about awakening my sensuality is giving me confidence to explore mm. new aspects of life as mm. well. Mm. Um, so yeah. Um, and then, yeah, just going into what I'm doing now. So, mm. you know, I started this company called Tamuka a few years ago and I find that every year it changes what it is changes. Um, and I'm really excited because thanks to working at Extinction Rebellion, um, I've realized that my model is completely fucked and not useful for the future. <laughs> um, right, for the future of the planet, you mean? Yeah, for the right. future of the planet. You yeah. know, I've been offering community building services to super brands, you mm. know, and and yes, I've been making, helping them with culture change. That's great and it's really beautiful, but it just doesn't feel like it's enough. So I'm rewriting my whole plan um, so that it's focused on supporting demand number two, which is ACT NOW, um, a.k.a. reduce um, emissions to zero by 2025. Mm -hmm. So I now want this agency to be focused on innovation and only working with companies or brands that are doing everything to get to zero um, net zero emissions. Mm -hmm. So 
Yeah, which means less money um, in the short term, potentially. Or potentially but, uh, less clients until more, more brands and corporations are willing to get on board with that. Exactly. Yeah, less clients in the short term in the short term and then the other thing again thanks to extinction rebellion is my organizational structure has been top down and i'm like oh my god no wonder i feel all the you know weight of everything on my shoulder this has to be decentralized every company moving forward needs to be decentralized so that's what i'm working on at the moment which is yeah very, very interesting. Can you tell me, unpack that a little bit more? Because I think yeah. that's, you know, these, these hierarchical structures, it's kind of how, it's the only real model that we've had. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'd love to hear a bit more about how um, a person might go about decentralizing, even if it's a small sort of, well, even that idea of like having a personal brand. Well, if it's not me who's the figurehead of me who's making all the decisions, then is it even my brand, you know? Yeah, so with Tamuka, I my face is on on the on 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 the website, so it feels very much a Samantha Moyo thing. Mm. But what I want it to be is a collective thing. So I'm now wanting to find a community who want to co-own it mm. or co-steward it, and for us to have equal decision-making rights not necessarily equal shares mm. so that's two different things mm. um and then um so yeah so and and the decision making is a big one for me because i i realize i'm actually a bit of a control freak and i you know i i've enjoyed being You're a visionary the- you know how you want things to to be you have a vision so yeah i i share that trait with you <laughs> yeah i'm 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 a visionary <laughs> slash control, control freak, freak. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, who has enjoyed being a creative director director ceo and now i'm stretching myself to how can i work with a team where we all make decisions on everything important together and how do i allow myself that ability to compromise because really it's about compromise Mm. why why is this important because we want community if we really want community centered governments and companies and lives then we have to start practicing what that means and it is shared decision making yeah um, and and shared responsibility yeah, um, you know, um, and I don't. It's something even those of us who are quite open are still are, need therapy for as well. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, well, it's like learning a whole new, or not even learning, but creating a whole new language. Yeah, like yeah. really, yeah. It's so age of Aquarius. I mean, it really is just so age of Aquarius. Like you know, the whole idea of it being about the collective and radical innovation being the only way that we can actually re-envision our future and as you know extinction rebellion is so committed to sounding that alarm of like this is it it's happening now we either get on board with it or there's gonna be nothing to get on board with like it's that simple you know yeah i'm really honestly so touched by the fact that i ended up in extinction rebellion because Mm. they 
I mean, they, we, I shouldn't say they, mm. we are actually practicing these self-organizing systems, like these community ways of making decision, you know, before even a decision is made about anything, there are conversations about who decides on making the decision, you know, and like, I just, I can't, some days I'm like, I can't believe this is happening because in, you know, my production head can be like, oh my God, this is taking so long. But then I'm also really grateful that people are taking the time to practice a new way to organize. Yeah. yeah. And mm. it is not to speak to biological gender, but it is that sort of feminine paradigm of circular thinking rather than hierarchical thinking and organ circular organization and coming back to a, essentially a more tribal sort of model right yeah where everyone has a voice where everyone has a voice and everybody's needs are also taken into consideration but again i mean as you've been saying this i'm like wow the number of like the amount of time that it takes to like listen to everyone's opinion have everyone have a feedback listen to what everybody needs but that again is like yeah slow the fuck down and let's take our time making these really big decisions that are ultimately going to impact everyone, whether everyone gets a say or not. Everyone's being impacted by whatever decisions are being made, particularly at governmental level, at corporation level, you know? Yeah, yeah. And again, we're going back into that, um, yeah, moving away from fast-paced capitalism to, yeah, just <laughs> slowing the fuck down. <laughs> I think we should have made that should be a luminous t-shirt maybe I'll do a, a t-shirt line that just says slow the fuck down take a six month break and then just like take it from there that, that seems like quite a good thing to come away from this conversation yes Ruby just do it honestly <laughs> no, nothing's gonna change nothing. or maybe like a, a, a just don't do it with the Nike swoosh <laughs> just don't do it <laughs> um, I love it I'm going to buy that. Me hope. Thank you mm. so, so much for coming on to share about your work and your experiences and how that's really playing into what you're doing now. Um, I will make sure that I include all of the links um, to your company, to MUCA, to Extinction Rebellion. If people are unfamiliar, um, definitely need to, you need to be getting up to speed with what this organization is doing. Um, Sam, thanks again so much for chatting with me today. It's been really, truly heart opening. <laughs> Thank you so much, Ruby. I really look up to you and um, yeah, you've done such incredible work and I, yeah, I don't know. I just want to support you with whatever's next and for you to know that you have that support. Yeah. Thank you, Sam. I, am, I, hear, I hear what you're saying. I'm going to be in London soon so we can hang out then. Okay, darling. Lots of love. Love you. Bye. I'm so grateful to have been able to have this conversation with Sam, both to share it with all of you guys, but also for myself personally. And I just wanted to jump on here at the end to say if anybody was wondering what's up with the numinous, what I was voicing today was simply the fact that I have been feeling really burnt out. I've um, launched three book project projects in the past year. I've launched two podcasts. I still run The Numinous pretty much as a one-woman band. I have some great contributors, of course, but I manage everything and all of the social media, etc. myself. In fact, I met up with an astrologer the other day who told me she was, quote-unquote, shook 
by the fact that I pretty much do all of this myself. Anyway, none of that is meant to be any kind of a pity party. I'm just simply sharing um, what I think can be end up becoming the norm for so many of us who launch brands that have any kind of degree of quote unquote success, meaning, you know, are received in the world and, and become a become a thing. It can end up becoming your whole life and really consuming everything, um, every waking minute of every waking day. And that has been a very exciting journey and one I feel super privileged to have been able to embark on. Um, and also there is um, a point when an evolution is necessary. All of which to say the numinous is not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. This platform will be continuing and evolving in ways to make it more sustainable for me um, in the future. So happy to be sharing these conversations with you. I hope you got lots out of listening to Sam. She's an incredible woman. If you were interested in working with her on getting some doula-ing for your social enterprise, then her links are in the show notes and I'm going to make sure I'm tagging her on social media um, wherever I share this episode. Thanks again and I'll see you again soon. This podcast features original music and is edited by aloeaudio.com. A-L-O-E audio dot com.